The following Agio-supported podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please speak with your healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. The guests on today's show were paid to participate in this podcast. I am Kevin Kuo. And I'm Larissa Levine. And we're doing a live podcast at New Orleans in lovely Louisiana on disease burden. So, Larisse, we're here in New Orleans at the annual meeting of the American Society of Hematology. And, of course, there's lots of presentations this year, like any other year. And many of them focus on quality of life and patient-reported mm-hmm. outcomes. Mm-hmm. But one thing that particularly strikes me, of course, is the idea of patient burden. And so what I want to do with you today, Larisse, is to explore this idea of, of disease burden and sort of take a more existential dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Kuo, when I first heard the term burden, it was a few years ago when we were assessing the burden of disease. And I'm like, thalassemia and burden. I had never thought of it as a burden. And so it was really a term that was not a patient term. Not We don't walk around and say, oh, this is a burden. It's a disease burden. I understand that it's, it's measurable and, and, and people are trying to do that. But it really is an interesting concept because... I said, well, who's this a burden for? Is it a burden for the patient? Is it a burden for the physician? Society, insurance, the economy. So there's different ways to think of it. But it's just interesting because I had never really considered thalassemia to be a burden. It was just a part of my life. It's interesting you mentioned that because I also questioned the idea of disease burden once. And I brought this term up to my patients. I did a straw poll and say... Do you feel that disease burden, the term, is a value-laden term? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that many of them said, no, they don't feel it's judgmental or value-laden. They they truly feel that there is a burden. Mm -hmm. But as you say, though, burden to whom? Relative to what? And I think from a healthcare perspective, from a medical perspective, is where we often limited by the ways we can measure that. We talk about it. We understand it, kind of, but to quantify it has always been very difficult. And a burden could be what that means to a patient could be different on different days. Like when my coping skills are high and I'm running around, something might not be as burdensome as it is when I haven't had sleep or I'm not feeling well. And then the same exact thing could be more of a burden on a different day. So it is difficult to measure. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it is burdensome. But the burden changes. And also, you brought out a very great point in that initially you, you didn't even put the two terms together, right? The burden and thalassemia. And I guess it goes to the point of sort of the human experience, right? Uh, you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. So if you have never experienced a quality of life that is higher than your baseline, then you may not realize that it is possible to achieve that higher baseline. Yes, that's true. Before I started getting blood, I only knew life at hemoglobin of 6.9. I didn't realize how good I would feel or what I could do when my hemoglobin was higher because you only know it. You know, you're used to it and your body adjusts, but it's true. It's only after you try something or life changes that you realize, looking back, oh my gosh, my quality of life increased so much with blood transfusions. I think a lot of people think, or patients, like if I start transfusion, their quality of life goes lower because they're looking at the time commitment, not realizing how they're going to feel 
when their hemoglobin is 11 rather than 8. Mm-hmm. It's a huge difference. Definitely, I would say my quality of life skyrocketed. And it's interesting to see that in quality of life research, that your experience parallels that of the research community in mm-hmm. that what we often observe is the limitations of the instruments that we use mm-hmm. to survey our patients with disease burden. Because again, you know only what you know, but you don't know how you're going to feel any different if you didn't feel any different to begin with, that you may answer the survey by saying, yes, I'm at the highest level of my quality of life because that is my baseline, mm-hmm. not knowing that you can actually achieve more than that. Mm-hmm. And then if we were to remeasure it after you had improvement in your quality of life, we may not see a difference quantitatively because of that. That's true. So to back up a little, as a physician, what do you think is the burden, if you're describing thalassemia to someone that didn't know what thalassemia was, what is burden to you from a physician's perspective? And what do you hope for in a patient's quality of life? What's a high quality of life for you? To me, having a disease is having a shackle, especially a chronic disease that weighs you down. It's like a chain and ball. It weighs you down. It prevents you from achieving the life goals that you want to attain. And mm-hmm. so to me, to be completely burden-free would be to lose that shackle, to lose that chain and ball. Now, that's easy to describe, but very hard to measure. Because, again, from a research perspective, that what sort of questions should we ask mm-hmm. in order to have a full understanding of that burden? Because when we talk about disease burden, right, to me at least, it's not a unidimensional construct. It doesn't run on high burden to low burden. It's a multifaceted concept Mm -hmm. that feeds into this centralized idea of burden. And it's not just about quality of life. It's also about the physical side effects, the functional impairment, the psychological impairment, the psychological burden, the social aspects of how you talk about using three hours of your time just to organize the materials for administering chelation medications mm-hmm. or having to use that time to deal with the copay or to deal with the insurance. That's time taken away from your family. That's mm-hmm. time taken away from your life. And to me, if we can lose all of that, then that would be a quote unquote high quality of life mm-hmm. or low burden. That's true. Time is my biggest challenge in and, managing thalassemia. And how do you measure it? It's right. very difficult because everybody has different life goals. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to achieve things that are differently. Everybody requires different ways to achieve those life goals. Yeah, because my what's high quality life to me would be different from another patient. So it is really d- difficult to measure. And then what what do we ask? What do we measure? So if you could wave your magic wand and tell patients as their physician, what do you do to help their quality of life? What is a high quality of life? Is it a measured in hemoglobin? Is it measured in them coming on their visits? Is it low ferritin? Is it happiness? Oh my gosh, that's actually a tough, tough question to answer. I mean, let's start from a research perspective, right? I think the research community is still struggling in terms of how to 
define that. And this is why you see all sorts of instruments out there, right? SF36, EQ5D, you know, just to name a few, right? And then there's the newer ones like Promise, for example. And all of them out there are this, or Tranquil, you know, that's specifically mm, for mm-hmm, thalassemia. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard of that yes, one. Tranquil is specifically a transfusion-dependent thalassemics. All these are designed to measure the different aspects of quality of life. I think to me personally, though, when I'm speaking to a patient, I think the first thing I want to understand is what are your life goals? Where do you want to be? And where do you see yourself? And during comprehensive review, sometimes these things will come up naturally. Sometimes I would ask and, you know, I often would ask, are you looking forward to have children? When are you starting to family plan? Thinking of getting married soon? You know, these are the probing questions that I would ask of my patients simply to get an idea of where they want to be. Because only by knowing where they want to be, then I can start working with them to plan that journey, to achieve that higher quality of life, to reduce the burden so that they can achieve those life goals. It sounds like you totally follow their lead. Absolutely, because yeah. again, everybody's different. And mm-hmm. Someone may want to run a marathon. Someone may decide that they want to travel. And many of my patients, travel is an issue, mm-hmm. especially if they want to, say, go abroad and work. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently I have someone who wants to go to Korea to spend six months there to teach. Oh, wow. And so to me, thalassemia then becomes a burden because you have to get transfusions every four weeks. And there's not a lot of thalassemic patients in, <laughs> in Korea, that's for sure. So how do I set that connection up so that I can make it as burden-free as possible for her? Agios is a biopharmaceutical company that's fueled by connections with patient communities, healthcare professionals, patients, and each other. Building on these connections and the company's unmatched leadership in the field of cellular metabolism, Agios is pioneering therapies of genetically defined diseases, a broad group of rare and more common diseases that are typically severe and life-threatening. Near term, Agios is focusing on hemolytic and acquired anemias, including sickle cell disease, pyruvate kinase, or PK deficiency, and thalassemia. To learn more, visit agios.com. That's A-G-I-O-S.com. Yes, there's a lot of taking a job or going to college. It's like, do you want to be near a center? There's so many things to think about when taking something new on because really you can only be gone for two or three weeks. So someone who goes abroad, it's a huge endeavor to find a doctor and to get transfused. And there's that whole added layer of considerations that a a patient has that others don't have to worry about. You just go abroad. So Mm -hmm. it's great that you're able to help your patient meet that goal because it would be a travesty to be held back just because of thalassemia, not to be able to do something like that. I remember when I started chelation, I thought, I'm never going to travel again. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And it's overwhelming because it was unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And with time, you know, there's ways to navigate it and there's ways around. And of course, I've traveled all over the world, mostly since I started chelation because I started at 25. So it's not being stopped by it, but it's learning how to navigate things so you can achieve your goals. And it's just um, more work and more time. But we get there. The other thing that I think about is how do you measure that extra effort that you have to put in right. to achieve the same goal as, say, another person who would? Someone who don't have thalassemia don't have to worry about carrying their pump, an infusion right. pump, don't have to worry about the length of the infusion, don't have to worry about bringing the cassettes, mm-hmm. don't have to worry about bringing the thalasset needles. Right. 
right? If they're on defroxamine, if they're on the oral drugs, then you have to think about how many to pack. And are they able to even get monitoring if they were traveling mm-hmm. abroad? How did they get in touch with the doctor? I mean, these are extra considerations that someone who don't have thalassemia don't have to worry about. Yeah. And then how do you measure that? How do you account for that? I don't have an answer. I don't either. You know, in addition to all those things, like let's say I'm going to Europe for three weeks and it's a week before my, I'm leaving and I only have a week, two weeks worth of my medication, let's say. Mm-hmm. Insurance companies don't want to fill it early. I mean, there's those considerations too and there's those other battles to fight. So it's like there's so many burdens placed with red tape. Then you have to get a doctor to say it's okay to prescribe early and your insurance needs to approve it. And then there's all these other little issues. And I don't think anyone thinks to ask it. I don't even think to report burdens like that. It's just when it happens and you're in it that you realize, oh, this is a burden. It's not something that I have ever been conscious of. So yeah, it's just, it's a challenge. You're right. The instruments that we use in research is so crude that it doesn't address any of these issues. And who would think about that until I'm actually going to go on vacation? I'm like, oh, yeah, my insurance isn't going to pay for this. I have to fill it early. And that's just a huge major drain. But often, I don't even think burden can be adequately assessed because there's so many little details that we don't Mm -hmm. think about. It's like, how much time do you spend fighting with your insurance company? It's like, I don't really have a timer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I might be folding laundry, running after my child and fighting with my insurance company. (laughs) So it's hard to measure. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough. So obviously we've posed a lot of questions and challenges, but mm. let's end this podcast on a positive note because we don't want to just, just sound like a gripe show here. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if we can find some solutions here. So let me ask you this then, Luis. From your perspective as a patient, what would you like your doctors to know in terms of how to improve your quality of life and to reduce your burden? Wow, there's so much. I guess like you started out by saying you follow your patient's lead to see what their goals are, where they want to be and where they want to go and what they hope to achieve, and then how you can help them get there. And I wish all doctors did that. I mean, that's just beautiful that you care enough to get to know them beyond blood and chelators to see like where they want to be. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. Granted, I'm older, so goals at 50 look much different than goals at 20. But I would just say we'd emphasize that, the doctors kind of getting to know where the patient's at, what they hope to achieve, and helping them get to that point. So the flexibility on, okay, so we have to spend a little time with the prescriptions or helping me find a doctor in this place. And then I guess being willing to communicate with that doctor. So my doctor's willingness to work with me and my doctor's willingness to, you know, help with that transition to a physician and, you know, your patient's going to Korea communicating with that physician to assure that standard of care is met. I think that would be great. We have to clone you. Well, actually, trust me, I'm no saint because I can tell you what I would like my patients to know from my perspective as a physician is that while those are lofty goals that I've set for myself to help my patients to achieve as low of a disease burden as possible to achieve their life goals, there are often structural constraints that are completely beyond my control. Mm -hmm. That I cannot help with. You know, we can obviously try to accommodate a lot of times, but there's still limits to that. Limits in terms of, say, what the payer system imposes, Mm -hmm. limits in terms of what the infrastructure can provide. 
and also physiological constraints. It's not possible for some people to go on without transfusions for more than six weeks. And mm-hmm. that's just a reality of life in terms of transfusions. And, and I think this is why, to me, it's so important that we develop new technologies and new treatments to eliminate those barriers mm-hmm. so that we can start deconstructing the burden. Well, we have work to do and we'll continue to do it. Absolutely. That's all for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Kuo, and I liked it personally. Thank you for listening to Thou Pals, The Alpha Beta Revolution. Don't forget to hit that follow button in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Share the show with members of the thalassemia community. Thou Pals, The Alpha Beta Revolution is made possible by Agios Pharmaceuticals, Inc. Visit agios.com to learn more. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Thou Pals, The Alpha Beta Revolution. Bye, everybody.